welcome all of you. So glad you're here today. Be sure if you're visiting for the first time, uh, turn that connection card in as you leave. And we want to give you a gift. I promise you we're not going to send you a bunch of annoying mail or anything like that. Um, we just want to know that you are here and, and uh, show our appreciation for you being here. Go ahead and open your Bible as you are, as they, as they receive the tithe and offering. Open your Bible to John chapter 15. That's where we're going to be today. Also, um, and I hope you all allow me this grace, after the service, normally at the end of the service, we, we have prayer and ministry time, and, and I would just ask today um, if you all would allow me to maybe try to make a quick exit. I want to be able to greet our visitors and everything, but uh, if we could have uh, maybe Richard and Leslie's here and some of the, the guys uh, uh, come and, and be available to pray with people, and y'all would allow me to, to slip out. Uh, it's not my prayers, it's the power of God. And so, uh, I love praying for people. And sometimes, you know, people feel like if they don't get prayed for, maybe by the pastor or the man of God, they're, somehow that prayer is diminished. Please don't think like that. Look to the Lord. The Lord is the one that's going to move. The Lord is the one that's going to answer prayer. God is the one that's going to heal, and uh, I love you guys all so much, and I'm excited. Uh, the reason we're trying to get out of town kind of as quick as possible, my, my nephew has muscular dystrophy, and uh, my sister has to have a sitter with him, and today is the only day that she's going to be able to have a sitter, and so I won't get to spend some time with my sister except today, and so... She's like, hurry and get here so we'll have a little bit of time to spend together because I'm going to have to go home tonight uh, to be with Trey. So um, thank you guys for, for uh, just being such a blessing to, to our family. And Have you found John 15 yet? All right. John 15, we're talking about man, God's vessel. Last week we talked about the ground. Uh, Jeff Kyle just shared something with me. Uh, during the meet and greet, and uh, he said, you know, as we were singing this song about God's love, he said, I was just reminded of, of all the, uh, the great patriarchs of the Bible, like Abraham and, and Moses and David, and you know, you know the cool thing about the Bible is, uh, God doesn't cover up the bad and the ugly. He didn't write us a book that just had the good in it. He didn't, he didn't cover up David's sin and pretend like that didn't exist. He didn't cover up uh, Sarah's lack of faith. He didn't cover up Moses' mistakes and Moses' lack of faith. And, and you can go through the scripture and you can look at, at who we consider to be great men and great women of God and, and their failures are recorded there. But Jeff said, you know, as we were singing this song, he said, I just, I just Wanted, I was reminded, and, and God, I think, wants to remind us that, that His relationship with us, His love for us is not defined by our points of failure. His relationship and His love for us is defined by who He is, not who we are. And in spite of our failures, in spite of our mistakes, God continues to love us. You know, there's a, the great question why did God hate Esau and love Jacob? Men have wrestled over that question. And I, I love what the late, great J. Vernon McGee said. He said, you know, my question is, why did he, why did he love Jacob? <laughs> Not why did he hate Esau, but why did he love Jacob? And when you consider the imperfection of flawed humanity, we might ask the question, why, why would God even love us? The psalmist asked this question, who is man, God, that you would even consider him? But yet, he not only considers us, he loves us. Amen? Amen. Today, as we talk about John 15, it really kind of goes along with, with what Jeff was sharing. Our relationship with God is not based on our performance for God. Our relationship with God, first and foremost, is based on who God is. 
not who we are, not in our sinfulness. So just to set this up, we've, we've talked about this concept as man being a vessel. Last week we looked at the parable of the soils. And we said what? We said the ground is a vessel. The ground is a vessel. It's a container that hides the seed. It's a vessel that holds the seed. To what purpose? Not so that the ground could increase, but so that the seed within the ground could increase. That vessel exists so that there can be a multiplication and an increase of that seed. Well, here in John 15, Jesus is talking about vines and branches. Now remember, I I believe this. I believe that God did not... Jesus wasn't walking around and he said, oh, there's some grapevines. I think I'll use these grapevines as an analogy. Paul, the great writer of scripture, didn't say, you know, oh, the body. I think I'll use the body as an analogy. I believe before God created heaven and earth, God knew exactly how he would define the body, how he would design the body. God knew exactly how he would create and design grapevines and branches and fruit to work. Why? Because it became a picture. It was a perfect picture of how we are in Christ. How His life flows through us. How we become vessels that God plants His precious seed in so that He can multiply that seed and that image. And so Jesus here in John 15, let's, let's read these first, eight chapter, these first eight verses together. It says, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. I want to read on uh, down through verse 11. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus has spoken these things to you that his joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. That's very important. In spite of your failures, in spite of your mistakes, God says, I want my joy to remain in you and I want my joy to be full. If, if his joy is full in me, it doesn't leave room for a whole lot of other stuff, does it? It doesn't. And joy was one of the fruits of the Spirit that we're going to look at when we go to Galatians 5.22 next week. But right now, let's go back to verse 1 of this chapter. And let's look verse by verse at what Jesus is declaring to us here. In verse 1, Jesus declares himself to be the true vine. I am the true vine. Now, that begs a question. If Jesus is the true vine, he qualifies. He didn't just say, he didn't begin by saying, I am a vine or I am the vine. He said, I am the true vine, which implies what? That if there is a true vine, then there are other vines that are not true. And so in the very beginning here, Jesus said, I am the true vine. So we need to make sure that as we talk about this, as we get a revelation of this, as we begin to understand what Jesus is communicating to us, that he has declared himself to be the true vine. 
So it's not, it's not good enough just to be connected to a vine. You've got to be connected to the true vine. Jesus didn't say, you'll know the lie, and the knowledge of the lie will make you free. He said, no, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. There's a lot of people who know what the lie is, but just because you know what the lie is doesn't mean you know the truth. Amen? You've got to know the truth. You've got to be in the true vine. So he says, I am the true vine. There's lots of false vines, but there's only one true vine. Fruit, Jesus is talking about fruit in these verses. And fruit from any other vine, guess what? It's not acceptable to God. Only that which is produced from the true vine is acceptable to God. Fruitlessness, is it acceptable or unacceptable? It's unacceptable. The true vine is always fruitful. The true vine is always fruitful. Why? Because the root is perfect and it is full of what? It's full of fruit producing life. The true vine is fruitful. Why? Because the root is perfect and there's life in that vine. Look at this, Isaiah 11.10. Isaiah prophesied of a root. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse who will stand as a banner to the people. For the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. Now let's, let's look at this, at what Isaiah is saying. In that day there shall be a root. Who is that root? Jesus is that root. There shall be a root of Jesse, who shall stand. He's going to grow up. Who shall stand as a banner to the people, For the nations shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. Tell me, where does a root rest? Where? In the ground. A root rests in the ground. In the parable of the soils, Jesus said there's there's hard ground, there's stony ground, there's thorny ground, but then there's good ground. And there was only one ground that the root was able to rest in and produce fruit, some 100-fold, some 60, some 30. Isaiah prophesied of Jesus to come. There will be a root of Jesse that shall be raised up, and he shall become a banner, and the nation shall seek after him, and his resting place shall be glorious. Who is the resting place of the root? We are. The church is. It's not a building in Jerusalem. It's not a cathedral on the corner of first and second street no it is the living breathing body of christ the called out assembly of those of the redeemed who have come into life where in christ and his resting place shall be glorious ephesians 5 27 says that jesus will present to himself what kind of church a glorious church He will present to himself a bride, a wife, that is glorious. We are the glorious resting place of the root of Jesse. We are the glorious resting place of the Holy Seed, Jesus Christ. We are the glorious resting place. Amen? Jesus is that perfect and true root that must be established in us. We're the ground. But Jesus says, I'm the true vine. He called us branches. And as branches, we have to be established where? In that true vine. And so the life from the root flows through the vine where? Into the branches. And we become connected to his life. The life of the true vine. Then he says this. He says, my father is the vine dresser. Who's the vine dresser? The father is. Who's the vine dresser? What is the vine dresser? That's the gardener. That's the guy who goes in there and he looks at the vine and he looks at the branches and he sees whether those vines and those branches are healthy. If they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, you think God's a good gardener? You think the Father is a good gardener? You think God the Father has a green thumb or a brown thumb? You guys, how many of you have brown thumbs? All the brown thumbs, raise your hands. Don't be ashamed, it's okay. It's okay because you're not the gardener, the Father is. 
I'm telling you what, the Father doesn't have a brown thumb. Matter of fact, before He spoke this world we're walking on into existence, before any vine, before any branch, before any seed ever sprung up anywhere on this earth that He spoke into existence, He already knew what He would create. He already knew that His purpose, His destiny for it was to be fruitful. It was fruitfulness. And so I'm telling you what, if there was ever a gardener with a green thumb, it's God the Father. And Jesus said, my Father is the gardener. He's the vine dresser. And the vine dresser works only to bring about the production of fruit. From which vine do you think? Do you think the, the, the vine dresser works with the false vines or the true vine? Oh, only the true vine. He's not looking for fruit from the false vine. He said there is one true vine and that is the vine that he pays attention to. That is the vine that he brings fruit from. And so the vine dresser, the father works to bring about the production of fruit from the true vine. No other vine, no other branch, no other fruit is acceptable if it is produced from any other root. See, before we, before we start getting excited about the fruit, you know what we need to do? We need to figure out which root it came from. But fruit is great, but we need to find out which root it came from. Let's go back to the beginning. Adam and Eve are in the garden. Two named trees. Eve walks up to a tree and she says, hmm, as the snake's whispering in her ear. She says, ooh, that fruit, it is very pleasing to the eye. Matter of fact, that fruit looks like it would make me wise. In fact, that fruit looks like it would taste really good. And what did she do? She picked the fruit off and she ate it. You know what the problem? That fruit might have been very beautiful. It might have tasted really good. And it might have made her wise. As a matter of fact, it gave her a knowledge she did not possess up until that point. But you know what the problem was? The fruit came from the wrong root. It came from the wrong tree. They were never meant to eat from that tree. They were meant to eat from the tree of life. The fruit might have been everything she thought it was, but the problem was she picked it from a tree and it came from the wrong root. And Jesus says, there is one true vine. There is fruit I'm looking for, but no other fruit is acceptable unless it come from that one true vine. The Father is the worker in the vineyard. He looks after the vine and the branches, knowing how to make every branch in the true vine even more fruitful. Verse, look at this. So he says, I'm the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Verse 2, every branch in me. That's real important. You should underline that in your Bible. Anywhere you see in me, in Christ, when he's talking about being in him, that's very, very important. How many of you feel like right now you're sitting in a refrigerated meat car? Huh? <laughs> God's, God's got us in the, he, he's preserving us. He's got us in the, in the chiller here. He doesn't want your fruit to go bad. Alright, so he says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now, that term there, takes away, is an interesting term. I know, you know, we don't, we don't read Greek, but we have tools that help us. But, but I want you to see. Maybe on a footnote in your Bible, there's a footnote that says that the literal translation of this word is he lifts up. The word take away actually means, it can mean not just, see, here's where we think. Every tree, every branch that does not bear fruit in me, he takes away. We're thinking that he's going to cut us out and throw us into the fire. But if we read this verse very closely, this is not what Jesus is saying. Because we're going to look here at what the vine dresser, remember what is the intent of the vine dresser? Is the intent of the vine dresser to bring fruit or to burn the vines? His intent is to, burn the vi is to bring fruit. The vines that he's going to burn, the branches that he's going to burn, we're going to see are not the branches that are in, in, in the true vine. They're the branches that are not in the true vine. And here this phrase, he says, every branch in me... And Jesus qualifies this because he wants them to understand he's talking about branches in him. 
that do not bear fruit, he takes away, or it literally says he lifts up. Now, why would a vine dresser lift up a branch that wasn't fruitful? Now, I'm not a, I'm not a vine dresser. I don't know a whole lot about vineyards, but I, I, I have sense enough to read. And, 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 I, and I have sense enough to read and see this progression of fruitfulness that Jesus is showing us here. And he begins with branches that are producing no fruit. And he said, a branch that produces no fruit, I'm going to lift it up. Lift it up from what? I'm going to lift it up from the earth. Look, look at this. He says, let's just read as we before we expound on this. He says, every, we could read it like this. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away or he lifts up. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. That word also there for prunes, it means clean that it may bear more fruit. And then he says in verse 3, you are already clean. So he, he's talking about working with the branches to make them what? To make them fruitful. He said a branch that is down in the dirt, that is down lying in the dirt, it won't produce fruit there. Because it can't get the proper sunlight, it can't get the proper circulation. It's susceptible to the things of the earth that are going to crawl on it and begin to destroy it. And God doesn't want us to be destroyed. He didn't come to bring destruction, He came to bring life. And that we might have life, what? More abundant. Not just so that we could survive in the dirt, but He wants to lift us up so that we can have an abundance of life. Because an abundance of life will produce what? An abundance of fruit. And so the vine dresser comes along and he says, that, that branch is not going to produce any fruit there because it's laying in the dirt. It's getting dirt all over. It's getting bugs all over. So he takes it away. He lifts it up and he puts it up. And if you know anything about growing grapes in a vineyard, if you've ever been, how many of you have ever been to a vineyard? You'll see there's a time where it looks like there's more vines than there are leaves. And, and those vines are very clean because what they want to get is maximum fruit production they're not growing grape leaves, they're growing grapes. And so here, the vine dresser lifts up the vine so that what? So that it can become a branch that produces fruit. It's not producing fruit. He lifts it up so that it will begin to what? Produce fruit. So then he says this. Why? Because God's will for your life is what? It's to manifest fruit. Then he says, look at verse the rest of verse 2, he says, Every branch of me that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear, what? More fruit. So we have branches that are not bearing fruit. God lifts them up so that they will produce fruit. Then you have branches that are producing fruit. Now God wants to cause those branches to produce even more fruit. He says, so the branches that are producing fruit, what does he do with them? He prunes them. And he says, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken. You've already been pruned because of the word I've spoken. It's not, that word clean is not just, I took some Windex and polished you up. He cleaned the branches. What, what does that mean? He took all that was unnecessary off of them, not to kill them, but to make them more fruitful it's why peter says he talks of he speaks of the washing of the water of the word how do you think the word washes us how does the word clean us because the word reveals christ to us remember in the temple in the temple there was this thing called the the laver it's a big polished brass bowl it was full of water and that represented the word of god and before the priest would go into the Holy of Holies, he would walk up to this laver, this polished brass laver that had water in it, and he would look. Why do you think he looked into it? Because he saw his reflection. And he would look and make sure that he didn't have something that would cause him to be unclean. That would cause him to be unacceptable to God because he was not allowed to go into the holy place if there was anything about him that was unacceptable to God. So he looked into this mirror. The word of God is a mirror. We look into that. Whose reflection do we see? We see the reflection of Christ. And when we look into that mirror, it 
shows us how our life compares to Christ. And that word, as we look into it, will begin to clean us. It will begin to prune off of us, out of our lives, the things that are contrary to Christ. Not because God wants to condemn us, not because He's mad at us, not because He wants to punish us, but because He wants to make us more fruitful. And He loves us enough to say, you know what, I love you enough that I'm not going to allow this to remain in your life because it's hindering you from fruitfulness. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace. Let's just take those three right there. What are the things in your life that are hindering you from from manifesting His love? What are the things in your life that are hindering you from manifesting His joy and His peace? Are you stressed out? Are you so overwhelmed with life that you have no peace? You have no joy? Jesus said, I've spoken these things. Why? That, That my joy would remain in you and that your joy would be full. That's fruit. And God says the things in your life that are robbing you of the fruit that I want you to manifest. The love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the gentleness, the faithfulness, the self-control. He said I want those things to be in your life because they're consistent with who I am. My nature. And that's the place That you experience abundant, maximum life. So He loves us enough to begin to clean us, to prune, to cut away the unnecessary things that are robbing us from being fruitful. So He says, I love the branches so much that even the ones that produce fruit, I will prune them that they will produce more fruit. What is the instrument God used to prune? It is the cross. It's why Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. Why? Because the cross daily prunes me. It cuts away the flesh. See, we are not flesh beings. We are spirit beings. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him how? In spirit. That's not methodology. That's location. That's geography. Are you in Christ? If you are in Him, you are in the Spirit, and that is the only place from which you can worship God. The only place. And the only place I can be in the Spirit is to be where? In Christ. And the only way I can come to be in Christ is through what? The cross. And the cross cuts away my flesh. It prunes that thing away from me that hinders me from life and fruitfulness. And so God loves me enough He created us new in Christ. If you're born again today, you are a new creation, the scripture says, where? In Christ Jesus. And so God has created you new in Christ to be what? To be a branch, a vessel that would carry what? His life and manifest that life of Christ. And what is that life that's flowing in you? It's the Holy Spirit. That's why it's called the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of the flesh. Matter of fact, it's called the works of the flesh as opposed to the fruit of the Spirit. You'll never produce the fruit of the Spirit by trying to work it out in your flesh. It's contrary. It's impossible. It's totally, completely impossible for that to happen because there's nothing spiritual about the flesh. There's nothing spiritual about the works of the flesh. Even if you have very good intentions for those works. It's only what? It's only the work of His Spirit in you. I asked you this last week. How hard does the ground work for the seed to multiply? Have you guys caught the ground working yet? Put your video camera out there. Tell me when you see the ground working. You ain't never going to see it working. What does it do? It's just a vessel. It's a container. What's it doing? It's holding the seed. Well, then what what is it that causes my asparagus plants to poof, shoot up? It's not, it's not the ground. It's the life. It's the life inside the root. The ground is just the container that enables the root, the seed, to be multiplied. You're not producing any fruit. 
you're just the vessel that the life is flowing through, but it's that life from the vine and ultimately from the root, that root of Jesse. It's the life from that root that's working in you to produce fruit. It's not you that produces the fruit. It's the root that produces the fruit. And so that life in you is the Holy Spirit. So Jesus goes on and he says, so the the branches that produce fruit, he said, I'm going to prune them so that they will produce more fruit. And then he says, he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. We go from no fruit to fruit, then from fruit to more fruit, from more fruit now to what? To much fruit. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. How many branches from the grapevine can produce grapes if they're not connected to the vine? Here's the vine, here's the branch. If the branch becomes disconnected from the vine, will the branch produce fruit? No, that's why Jesus said, without me, you can't do anything. If you abide in me and I abide in you, when I abide in Christ, whose life begins to flow through me? His life, where does it come from? Does the life come from the branch or does it come from the root? It comes from the root. And the life from the root flows into the branch and it manifests into what? Fruit. And the branch was simply a vessel that enabled the fruit to be manifested. So the fruit of the vine is the witness. The fruit that's on that vine is a witness of what? It's a witness of the life that is in that vine. The branch is simply the vessel that's manifesting the life of that vine. And then Jesus says this in John 15, 8. He says, by this my Father is glorified. That you bear how much fruit? Much fruit. So you will be my disciples. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So when we bear much fruit, the Father is glorified. And so you will be my disciples. Well, what does bearing much fruit have to do with being a disciple of Jesus? Look at the next verse. Or look at the preceding verse. Some people like to quote this. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Does that give us a blank check that we can ask of God anything we want? God, I want want that convertible Mercedes. And the Bible says that anything I desire, I can ask of you, and it will be done. Now, you laugh, but I've actually heard men of God preach and teach that. It's what the Scripture says. If you abide in me, okay, I'm I'm abiding in Christ. My word's abide in you. Uh, His his word's in me. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Well, explain to me what that means then. Well, read the the scripture in context. Understand what Jesus is teaching. Don't take it out of context and twist it because that's not what the scripture was given to you for. Read it within the context that Jesus is teaching. He's teaching about vines and branches. He's teaching about fruitfulness. He's teaching about living and abiding in him. And he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So think of this. If you have a grape vine, and you have branches that are connected to the grape vine, what kind of fruit will those branches produce? Multiple choice. A, apples. B, blueberries. C, kumquats. Or G, grapes. What do you think branches in a grapevine will produce? Grapes. Why? Because why? they're connected to a what? Grapevine. You know what a disciple is? The word disciple means a learned follower. So in Jesus' day, you read in the scriptures, it said rabbi, rabbi. It's a Hebrew word for teacher. He was a teacher. He was a teacher who had disciples. So a follower of a teacher, those people would emulate their teacher. They would walk like him, talk like him. They would use the same figures of speech as he did. They would eat what he ate. They would do everything he did. That's how they came to be known, his disciples. And so Jesus is saying, if you are truly 
my disciples, and you abide in me, and my word abides in you, then just like the branch in that grapevine is only going to produce grapes, if you are truly my disciple, you can ask what you want, what you desire, it will be given to you because you will not ask anything contrary to me. You will not desire anything contrary to me. Everything you ask, everything you desire, everything you want will be a perfect picture of who I am. It will be perfectly consistent with me, your teacher, your Messiah. It will be perfectly in unity and harmony with who I am. Go ahead, ask what you want. Because if you're truly my disciple, then you will only ask as I ask. And you will only do as I do. Jesus said, I only do the things I see my Father do. I only ask the things that I hear and know my Father desires. When you've seen me, you've seen my Father. Back in that culture, a disciple could see, when you've seen me, You've seen my teacher. Because that was the goal of a disciple, was to become the perfect image of his teacher. Jesus said, they said, who's your teacher, Jesus? By whose authority do you do these things? He said, by my father. When you've seen me, you've seen my father. My father's my teacher. He gave me my authority. When you've seen me, you've seen my teacher. It's my father. Jesus is saying to his disciples, if you're truly my disciples, if you're truly in me, then your life will reflect that, just like the fruit on that grapevine is going to reflect that it is connected to the vine. And then Jesus said this, he says, you are the branches. Jesus is the true vine, the Father is the vine dresser, we're the branches. So, so here's the question, the question is not whether you're a branch, because you are a branch. The question's not even what, what you're producing. Here's the important question, church. The question is, what vine are you a branch in? Because remember, there's a true vine and there's false vines. The question's not whether you're a branch or not. You are a branch. The question is, what vine are you connected to? Are you connected to the true vine or not? Only the branches connected to the true vine will produce fruit that's acceptable to the vine dresser. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him. Bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Then the next verse. Verse 6. Look at this. If anyone does not abide in me. It's very important that you understand. If anyone does not abide in him, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. Why is he cast out and withered? Because he does not abide in the true vine. The branches that are cast out, that are withered, that are fit for only the fire, are the branches that are not connected to the true vine. Why? Because that's where life is. So if you're a disconnected branch, you're withered. You're to be thrown into the fire. If you're not connected to the true vine, you've got problems. Because there's only one vine that the fine dresser, the father's interested in. There's only one fruit that he's interested in. It's the fruit that comes out of the branches connected to the true vine. And Jesus, the true vine, declared himself to be our very life. In John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. When they pick that fruit, the only fruit that's going to be brought to the vine dresser is the fruit that came from the true vine. You didn't come from the true vine, you're not going to come to the Father. And the key to this passage, the key to verse 6 is in me. The key to this whole story, this parable Jesus is, is telling us, revealing to us, the whole key is that little phrase, in me. It's in me. It's in him that we live and breathe and have our very being. So unless we're connected to Christ, we're not connected to life. Turn over to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 20. Now if we're not connected to his life, to the true vine, then we can produce no fruit that's acceptable. And, and what is it that is the true manifestation of his life? It's fruit. Fruit 
is the only true manifestation of his life. His fruit, fruit that comes from the true vine, is the only true manifestation of his life. And I'll show you where Jesus makes this very clear. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Jesus is speaking here. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Now, I want you, it's not on your message, God, but I want you to write Matthew 7, 21 through 23. It's the top of your message, God. Then I want you to write 1 John 3, verses 6 through 8. This is important. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. What is the will of the Father? Well, that's found in John 6, 40. Let me read it to you. You can write that one down too if you want to. Jesus says, and this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. This is the will of the Father. To see the Son and to believe in the Son and to come to have life. Where? In the Son. That's the Father's will. So he says, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. In other words, the, he who finds life in the Son. Many, verse 22, will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I'm not going to take the time to go there, but you can go there and you can look at 1 John 3, 6 through 8. Who practices lawlessness? Those who are of the devil. Jesus says, that, that John says in, in 1 John, he says those who abide in God, they practice righteousness. But he who practices sin does not abide in God. But he is not of God. So what's the problem with these people? Did they really do miracles? Yes, they did. Did they really prophesy in his name? Yes, they did. Did they really cast out demons? I believe they did. Did they do signs and wonders? I absolutely believe they did. Jesus said in the last days, many false Christs and many false prophets will rise up and do such great signs and wonders that if possible, even the elect would be deceived. But you know what the problem was here? It wasn't the things that they did. It was that they were not of the right root. When he says, I don't know you, what he literally says there is, I, I don't know who you're of. I don't know who you're of. You're not of the true vine. You didn't come from my root. So I don't care how many good works you do. Good works don't mean anything to me. Where's your fruit? Because see, the fruit and the fruit from the true vine and from the true root is the only true manifestation of whether you have life or not. Cast out all the demons in hell if you want to. It does not mean you come from the true root. And the only fruit, the only harvest that is acceptable to the Father is that which comes from the root of Jesse, that which comes from the true vine, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we need to become fruit conscious instead of so gift conscious. Gifts are good. I love gifts. But we can be like the Corinthian church and have gifts operating out our wazoo but no fruit. And that's why Paul said, he goes from 1 Corinthians 12, dealing with the gifts of the Spirit, right into 1 Corinthians 13. And he says, guys, you can have all the gifts you want. You can prophesy till kingdom come. You can give your body to be burned. You can give all your possessions away. But if you don't have love, what is love? It is the first fruit of the Spirit lifted. He said, if you don't have any fruit, it's meaningless. If you don't have love, why? Because God, those who abide in God, abide in love because God is love. And fruit, spiritual fruit, love being the first fruit listed, that is the manifestation of his life. That is the test of whether you are of him or whether you're just blowing hot air. Peter talks about those who are windbags blowing hot air. It all sounds real good. It all looks real good. The problem is their fruit doesn't come from the right root. 
And if your fruit's not from the true root, the Father will not accept it. I don't know how good you think it is. It doesn't matter how good the church thinks it is. He will be the one to decide. So what's the lesson? Let's get connected to the true vine. Let's not get caught up in all the extracurriculars. Let's get down to the root of the matter and find out if we're connected to life. And if we're connected to life, our life will manifest that. And God the Father will say, come, my good and faithful servant. Enter into my joy because you have come from the right root. You are a branch connected to the true vine. When the fruit manifests from and in truth, it will be the true sign that the Spirit of God is operating in true power. You go ahead and have love in this corrupt world we live in. Go ahead. How are you going to have love in this world? How are you going to have peace in this world? How are you going to have joy in the midst of this twisted, corrupted world? You're not going to have it because you try real hard, because you read 15 self-help books every year to figure out the, the 10 steps or the 5 steps or the 7 steps to a successful, prosperous, happy, worry-free, carefree. I could go on and on and on. You know how you're going to do it? You're going to get connected to the true vine, and you're going to let his life flow through you. And that's what's going to produce the fruit. That's when you're going to have peace in the midst of the storm. That's when you're going to have joy, regardless of everything falling apart around you. Because you know what? You know I'm connected to life. You know that I'm in him. I live in him. I move in him. I have my very being in him. And nothing, nothing, nothing can separate me from his love. He loves me and his intent is to make me fruitful. He's not looking for an opportunity to cut me out of the vine. He's looking for every opportunity to lift me up and to make me more fruitful. Then he wants to make me much fruitful because through my much fruitfulness, I bring glory to the Father, to the vine dresser. Amen? From that manifestation of true life, I'm telling you what, church, everything else will flow. Yes, healing will flow. Yes, deliverance will flow. Most importantly, salvation will flow. I'm telling you what. But let's not get the cart before the horse. I heard someone, I said this last night, I heard someone on, on a famous TV, Christian TV channel, the host of the program, he said salvation is an outer court experience. The anointing is the inner court and the glory is the holy of holies. I said, oh God, deliver us from such false theologies. You telling me you're going to regulate Jesus to the outer court? Jesus is an outer court experience? Get a break, man. Can you separate Jesus from the anointing and the glory? No way, Jose. He is all three in one. There is no glory apart from Jesus. There is no anointing apart from Jesus. The anointing is not some mystical thing I possess. The anointing is defined by Scripture, regardless of what TV preachers and other theologians say. The Scripture, 1 John, read it. The only place the anointing is mentioned, it is mentioned in reference to the Holy Ghost. And if you have the Holy Ghost, honey, you are anointed. If you got the Holy Ghost, you've got all the glory you're ever going to get because you have Jesus. And He is the full expression of the glory of the Father. There ain't no outer court experience with Jesus. He is the outer, the inner, the holy of holies. He's the whole shebang, man. He is everything. He will fill all in all. And you have been created to be a vessel, the ground, the branch, a vessel that will do what? That will allow His life to flow through you and through you He will manifest His glory. He will manifest His life. What we got to do, church, is get out of the way and let him do the work. Quit trying to be ground that's trying to make it come to pass. Quit trying to be a branch that's working real hard for the vine. What did Jesus say? He said, abide. Abide in me. You go to work every day. Most of you get up every day and go to work. And you work. But where do you go at the end of the day? You go back to your abode. To do what? To cease from your labor and to enter into rest. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, All you who labor, who are heavy, laden, and weary, come to me and I will give you rest.
Learn from me. Learn to be a branch that's resting, abiding in the vine. Learn to allow my life to flow through you and manifest through you that you will become a witness of my very life. That's what God wants to do through you. Amen? And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will give you the power. He will teach you. That's why He's called the teacher. That's why He's called the helper. As you begin to let this word be sown into your heart, the Holy Spirit will begin to teach you how to enter into that rest, how to let His peace and His joy manifest in your life. That's what He wants. And when you become fruitful, oh, I'm telling you what, you won't have to try to work up gifts. You won't have to try to work up anointings. You won't have to try to make things happen. You won't be straining to have dreams and visions and all that stuff because you want to, uh-uh, honey, I'm going to tell you what, it'll flow. It'll flow so easy, so naturally, just like fruit flows right out of that branch. It's just a natural result of being a branch in the true vine. If you are, you will produce fruit. Not because I say so, but because Jesus, because Jesus said so. So the first order of business is to find out, as a branch, what vine we're connected to. And if I'm not connected to the true vine, if I were you, I'd get there as fast as I could. I say, but how does that happen? Well, it happens through the power of the Holy Ghost. Salvation is not what you do, it's what he does. But the call has gone out. Do you have ears to hear? That's why Jesus said, read it. He said, for those who have ears to hear. You have ears to hear the call from the true vine calling you into life. Amen? If you're here today and you've never, you've never answered that call, you've never responded to that call to true life, you say, Pastor Jeff, I want to be a branch connected to the true vine. But I don't know. I don't believe that I am. Well, today, you can call upon his name. And the Spirit of God will, will, will do a miraculous work in you. If that's you, and you want to be connected to the true vine, I want you to raise your hand. Is there anybody? 